Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Well then, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and joined by a very special guest, uh, one of the, the greatest strikers that Newcastle United has ever seen, that's a Jim's Parker's ever had the grace to witness, and is Super Mac. How are you doing? Are you alright? Alright, thanks. Um, Andrew, yes. We're going to start, well, we're going to talk about a subject that you'll know very well, and that's going to be strikers. You know, Newcastle United have always loved their strikers. Before you, there was the likes of Jackie Milburn after you came, obviously the likes of Alan Shearer, the club's record mm-hmm. goal scorer. Today's uh, bunch of forwards, not so much in the same bracket as yourself and the likes of Alan Shearer. Um, how would you, how would you sum, you know, the options that Rafa Benitez has got? Uh, limited. His options are very limited. Um, Dwight Gale is a natural, um, but what, but he needs to have really good players around him um, to to make an impact in the Premiership. You know, and at the moment he's got what two goals, is it? Um, that's not good when you um, when you're into December. Um, with, with regards to Mitrovic and Josselu, uh, I'm really not sure why the club have signed them in the first place. They're not the quality for. The, um, for the top division, they really aren't, uh, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you work on them if they haven't got that that, that natural ability um, and and scope to improve as well. There, then it's not worth it. There is there is one one thing that I've noticed about the game in general, and that is that forwards they. They don't seem to be prepared to take a risk in trying to score a goal. Just take the just take the risk of, of having a snapshot. They all want to be so very uh, careful that the shooting opportunity is there. Well, defenders don't give you that time in the in the Premiership, and so when 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 f- the, these forwards are uh, um, they're trying to make sure, and of course defenders are just nipping in there, uh, um, and the, and everything comes. To an end, um, and so uh, I, I really do wish that that they they would just take a chance. And the reason why they're not is because they're not thinking like goal scorers. You use the word strikers, and that's uh, and it's a vast difference, striker to goal scorer. A striker will play the game and score the odd goal. A goal scorer doesn't get involved with the game he just works on goals I, I must tell you Frank Clark who was the left back in the Newcastle side when I was there he um, I, I, I did a, um, a, a an ex-players thing with him um, it was back in January and afterwards he said I've got an apology to make to you I said oh what's that Frank he said I realise now that you were right 
and I was wrong. And he used to get on at me, on at me, on at me, that I had to be doing this and doing that, chasing back and, uh, um, and, and I kept saying to him, but if I chase back, who's gonna be up there when the ball goes forward? You know, and, and I think we're seeing that with Newcastle at the moment, that the ball goes forward and there's, and there's nobody really there to get onto it, or if they do, they're surrounded by five defenders and, uh, and there's no support coming. Uh, and, and so you have to really think about attacking the opposing goal so very carefully and get it, get it all in your head, uh, um, dependent on the circumstances that you find yourself in um, at that particular moment. But Frank, he, he apologised and he, he said, I realised that you were doing something that was entirely separate to the game of football. And that's what goal scoring is about. It is separate to, uh, um, to everything else that's going on within the game. Um, to give you an example, and this might sound daft, but to give you an example, I thought goals all of the time. Even when I was walking down uh, um, Blackett Street or, or, or Northumberland Street, um, and, and my wife would be window shopping. But me, I'm looking across the way at, at, the, at the window of a shop, which isn't dissimilar to a goal, and I'm looking at the people in, in front and I'm working out very quickly how I, how I would get a shot on target through the crowd of people. Because all of a sudden, that's what you're presented with on a Saturday afternoon. You get the ball 20 yards out, there's a crowd of players in front. How do you get a shot on target? And so my thinking was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I can, you can see in the likes of Mitrovic and, and uh, Jocelyn that they've never, they've never thought about scoring goals outside of a match day. And, that, and yet they should be working every single day. Um, Pop Robson, who used to play for Newcastle, I came after Pop had left um, and, and went to West Ham. But he used to come up, um, after, after a match, he used to come up of a, of a weekend and spend time with his family here in the northeast. And now and again, he would come and train with us on a Monday. And at the end of training, I religiously did a minimum of an hour's shooting practice or heading practice, um, getting somebody to cross from right, from left, and what have you, and I just worked at it. So I might have been training for two and a half hours, but I had to do my hour. Um, and then I thought it, I thought about it, all the way through the afternoon, all the way through the evening, and then I'd be back in training the next day, and then I'd do my hour afterwards. And Pop Robson, he came and joined me. Now, when the, when the coach said, Okay, lads, training's finished for the day. And I would then start to get a goalkeeper to stay, so a, a winger to get knock crosses in, and somebody else maybe, even if, if it was the apprentices or, or whoever. Um, uh, and Pop Robson would always come and join me. And I thought, here's a, here's a kindred spirit. He thinks in the same way. And you look at his goal scoring charts, it's amazing that he never, ever got a call for, for England. You know, his, his, his record was quite remarkable. Um, uh, I would doubt that Jocelyn and Mitrovic have never done an hour after training, ever. Because you can see what they, what they haven't done. And, and shooting to them, it's almost a foreign act. And do you sit in the stands these days and you, you see Mitrovic coming on? I know he hasn't had that many minutes, but last season especially when he got his chance and you've seen him maybe missing the sport or you don't see him making the runs. And you're, is it frustrating for an ex-striker like yourself? Yes. Yeah, because it, it is, it's hugely frustrating because, because um, one, you go out to, to score goals, you go out and play football. But Mitrovic wants to fight. You know, that the, 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 the pitch he should be on, um, it, it should actually be square. With, with three ropes going around it, um, because because he's, he's putting that, and he's he, he's nearly seven foot. Do you ever see him win a ball in the air? 
You don't, because he's wanting to fight and scrap the centre half. He's 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 wanting to do elbows and 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 all and all of that with them and, and grapple and uh, and so he's looking to have a fight. He's not looking a to win the ball and b to go and score goals. He's not looking for that. He doesn't think it. And obviously, Mitrovic is the, really the big sticking point for many fans. You know, the passion that he's got. Many people say, "Well, he's passionate." And Benitez is starting to get a, a little bit of stick from certain quarters. Why isn't he playing? He's not playing Mitovic? him because the guy doesn't accomplish anything at all. Um, he's more likely to get sent off than score a goal. You don't want that on your side, particularly in the, in, 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 at the top level. Um, and I, the crowd are misreading Mitrovic. They think it's passion. It's not, it's sheer laziness on his part and that he would rather have a fight than get a good jump in, win the ball, land and sprint into the box. Have you ever seen him do that? It's alien to him, totally alien. He doesn't, he doesn't do it. Um, and, and you're never going to score goals on a truly regular basis unless you think them. You have to think about them all of the time. Mitrovic never thinks about them, nor does Jocelyn. We'll move on to Jocelyn and Gilles in a second, but his record at Anlec was better than Romelu Lukaku, so obviously he's now at my United. His record for Serbia is, is quite good as well. Is it just he's the lack of discipline and he's not Premier League quality, or if he's sort of discipline out, do you think, maybe not at Newcastle, but there's you know, links to West Ham apparently, do you think he could cut it in the Premier League in a certain team of the setup in the right way? Personally, I think no, no. Um, you, 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 you can't get a, a leopard to change his spots. And a, a Mitrovic, he's done it now for too long, I think, to change. He wants to fight and scrap. He wants to make out that. You know, I, I'm giving up my all for the club because I'm, I'm going to fight with the centre-half and I'm going to fight with the other centre-half. And I... That's not how you do it. It really isn't how you do it. And, and I don't think he learns anything. I don't think that he's prepared to listen. I think that... Um, and probably um, his worst... The worst part of it all for him, the, de- the true downfall is that he's listening to the crowd and playing, and playing up to it and the crowd are mis- actually misreading him and not realising that he's a waste. They, th- they think, oh, look at it, it's all passion and spirit. No, it's not. No, it's not. It, it, in, in fact, it, if anything, it's laziness. And Jocelyn obviously signed the summer five million, didn't have a, a good goal-scoring record at Stoke. You know, obviously, there's a reason Stoke let, let him go. Benitez is referenced in previous weeks that Newcastle didn't sign you know, the likes of Tammy Abraham who we wanted didn't give him the budget to go out and sign a, a proper goal scorer first of all if you're listening to those comments even though he hasn't directly named Jocelyn within those comments does that affect you as a striker? Yes yeah, you're, thing, things will affect you even if you, you feel that, you know, that they're not affecting you yes they do of course they do and, you, and, and it all comes back to you um, uh, but, but with Jocelyn, first, before anybody can help him, he's got to help himself. Um, and I and I saw I saw a comment from Mark Hughes, and, I, and I'm, I'm not exactly a Mark Hughes lover, I, I, I can assure you. But he, what what he um, what he said was um, this was after he'd signed for Newcastle. He said Jocelyn hasn't got a clue on how to score goals. And it, it, it grieves me to have to say this, but for the first time in my life, I agree, I'm agreeing with Mark Hughes um, uh, and, and that he's right on, on that one. The, the problem for Rafa was that he, that he had one list and all of a sudden the money just wasn't there and he's had to, to literally throw that list away and come up with something else in a rush. Who's available? And, and, and so Jocelyn comes along uh, um, and, you, and he's taken a risk. And the risk isn't really paying off. You know, that the first time that he's, he's actually 
hit a proper shot at goal was when he scored like uh, um, uh, 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 at Leicester. Yeah, yeah. The other the others were deflections and and what have you. Um, this time he actually did it himself. But for heaven's sake, we've been waiting since August, August, September, October, November, December. Dear mate, that's a long, long time to see a supposed forward striker, maybe even goal scorer, actually solidly hit a shot for the first time in five months. The defence, reading between the lines of Joss Lewis, that he, everything else he does is spot on for the team. He brings players in to, 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 to play. Can't disagree more. I cannot, and, I, and, and, and I'll tell you for why. I cannot tell you how many times I have watched Jocelyn standing in the middle of the pitch and he'll watch Perez close down a forward to his left and then Perez as the ball goes across the pitch Perez goes across Jocelyn and closes somebody else down then the ball goes back and, and Perez goes back past Jocelyn and Jocelyn He's not looking at the ball, he's not looking at what the opposition are doing, he's watching Perez doing all the running. And, I, and the number of times, and, and, uh, um, and I, I've actually pointed this out to people saying, watch it, you will see Jocelyn with different eyes if you just watch at what he's actually doing. And, and when a player does that, now I'm not, I could be accused of, of calling him lazy, I'm not. I don't think he actually understands what the game's about. I really don't. Um, you, you've got Dwight Gale, he plays purely to his strengths, does what he's comfortable doing, um, uh, and whether he's good enough to be a, a, a regular Premiership goal scorer, that's something for him to prove. But he is a good little goal scorer. You've got Perez, great football mind. I just wish he could just do it a little bit more from his feet upwards um, uh, uh, um, uh, and then you've got Jocelyn who, who actually he ain't thinking about it just isn't thinking about it and and, uh, and, and I, I see other players and they're getting angry with him and that's always a sign um, Dwight Gale obviously he, he was Chris Pass's top goal scorer the season uh, before he was sold to Newcastle that summer uh, Newcastle's top goal scorer last season in the Championship despite the injuries he's had um, great to see him getting back amongst the goals because he has had his doubters um, he's had the injuries so the goals are a massive confidence boost him yes um, there is there is nothing um, to raise the confidence of a goal scorer more than just sticking it in the net and it doesn't matter how it goes in whether you whether you, it's a, a um, it's a 30 yard rocket or whether or whether it's a tap in from 3 yards it doesn't matter it's being in the right place at the right time to do the right job and Dwight Gale does that what he needs are better players around him who who will make chances the thing with Dwight Gale is that um, my attitude always was never afraid to miss because if you're afraid to miss you'll never score goals you, you have to have that confidence to, to be able to shoot over the bar to, to shoot wide um, and, and keep doing it keep shooting wide keep shooting over the bar and just get your work on your accuracy until you start to get more and more and more on target the more you get on target, the more goals will come. You're not going to score from every from every one of those. The keeper's going to make saves and um, defenders will block others. But you just keep cracking them in. And, I'm, and I watch players and I don't see them prepared to shoot. It's, it, it's almost, oh, look at me, I'm in 10 yards of space. I think I can shoot now. Nah. Space. And I used to have the most... Fabulous conversations with Ted McDougall about what space was. Alan Ball was fascinated um, that space is about three inches. 
on a football field. It's enough to get a shot in. You don't need three yards, you certainly don't need 30. To score goals, you just need that fraction available so that you can just knock it round somebody, um, it and in by a post or whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, um, and Tim McDougall, dear me, he was one of the best one-touch finishers going. But he's but all the time he was just working for that for that tiny little bit of space. Um, and and I watch forwards now, and they really do want three yards, four yards, five yards before they actually have a pop. And it's not it, it, it it's. It's not going to produce goals. And obviously, he had his injuries last season, and then he had a little injury at the start of the season. I mean, a lot of people said his confidence was affected as a striker, particularly one who, you know, his speed is his main attribute. You know, he had the hamstring injury. Is it difficult to overcome that in the mind? Because obviously, if you're fully fit, do you, but Gail, did you think it was still part of, part of his yeah, mind? I'm, on the back? I just wonder whether, whether Rafa Benitez actually. Um, is starting to to believe that for a fact that that that, that, that Gail's hamstring injury is in his head, not in the back of his thigh. Um, Gail, he he might have that worry. Um, it having gone once, or maybe twice, it, and he just doesn't want it to go a third time. They're painful, um, and they 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 are very debilitating, and you're out for a long while um, and in, in allowing it to repair Gail he, he wants to keep playing you can see it in him that he wants to be out on the pitch um, and so he needs to be fully fit and and if he's got it in his head that his hamstring could go at any time that's that, that's always going to be a problem that will hold him back and what you need you need an arm from the manager around you and just saying look it's going to be alright Benitez has given it to him I'm pretty sure on that um, and Dwight Gal, I think was being left out of the side simply because he wasn't responding to that arm around his shoulder and Benitez had to find another way of doing it and started just putting him on the bench you know as, as if he, as if he was saying oh, look, sit on the bench rot you know because if, if you're not right in yourself to go out and do the job for me, for the supporters, for the other players, and for the club in general, then it's no good um, putting you on the team sheet. Do you think the number nine weighs on his shoulders? Are you know massive number yourself, Shearer, you know all these big names who've taken it on. Do you think that you know weighs on weighs on him? It will always weigh on you if you're not good enough, and you'll know within yourself whether you are good enough or not to to uh, maybe not overhaul people but at least to go maybe and, and challenge them you know challenge them on a seasonal basis um, uh, that uh, I, I don't understand why players never really give themselves serious targets you know particularly with goal scoring because that's the simplest way uh, you know set a target go for it um, and don't be afraid to say what target. And when I was at Luton Town, Alex, before coming here to Newcastle, Alex Stock, the manager, he taught me that not only do you set yourself a target, set yourself an almost impossibly high one, and then just go for it. You might not reach it, but by heavens, you'll surprise yourself. And and and, and I can always I I should. Um, Perhaps uh, um, people will understand uh, the, the very first team talk that there was. It was my. It was on the Friday after training, before my first league game for Luton Town. We were due to play Barrow at home, and Alex Stop came into the dressing room, and he and he said, um, "Well, the good people of." of Luton Town are going to be coming in their droves tomorrow to watch you lot play. Now, the least you can do is get them promotion for all, for all their wonderful support. What do you say? Now, no manager ever talks about promotion at the beginning of the season. Alex Stock did. He broke the rules. And he put the thought of promotion into our heads. 
as a target to actually chase. Um, and and so we sat there, and he said, um, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. And he went through statistically what you need to do to get promotion. And he said, okay, well, how do we create those statistics? And he said, well, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, defence, uh, um, that you cannot afford to let in any more than 34 go goals. 34 in, in 46 games. You know, that's a lot of clean sheets that, that you've got to get. Um, you know, so he, he's putting it in their head, making them think about keeping clean sheets. And then, it, and, and, and then he turned it and he said, right, now, goal, goals. He, um, and he went first to the goalkeeper. He said, I don't expect you to score any goals, but I do expect you to save at least three penalties. Right back, you love an overlap. I've got you down for five. Jack Bannister at left back. You poo your pants every time you cross the halfway line, but nevertheless, I've got you down for three. And so he went on giving a, um, a, 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 a seasonal total to each player. The centre forward playing alongside me was an old experienced Welsh fella called Laurie Sheffield. And he, and he looked at me and, I, and he said, um, Laurie Sheffield, by heavens, old son, you've had more clubs than Jack Nicholas." but you can still run a bit, you can still jump a bit, you can still um, get about the pitch a bit, and I've got you down for 18. Very rapidly, he's at nine, I'm at 10, um, and, I, and I'm rapidly thinking, well, if he gives the, the old experience fella 18, Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me about the same. I'm, I'm, I'm the newbie. I, I'm, I've... I've got no real track record. And he said, McDonald, the new boy, 30, and went straight on to the outside left and just left me. And, and, and I nudged Laurie under the ribs and I said, I said, Laurie Sheffield, I said, did I hear him right? Laurie, he said, uh, I'm afraid you did boil. And bloody good luck to you. And that was it. And, and I found myself worrying. And I did worry. I worried for days, but then the, the sort of positive thought can take over and what you start doing is saying, okay, I can plan this and, and you can start going for that total and you can think rationally about goals. I'm watching players at St James Park who don't give a thought about it until they go out on the pitch. Too late, absolutely too late. Um, uh, um, except the little fella, Gail, he thinks about it all the time. So you'd sell Mitrovic in, in, in January? I would give him away. Not a big <laughs> fan. I just want to go on to you, obviously your playing career. Um, when you first got the, the call um, about Newcastle United, uh, what was your first reaction? I mean, was it, it's Newcastle United? <laughs> it was Easter in 1971 and um, we on the on Good Friday we'd gone to Bristol I was at Luton at the time we'd gone to Bristol City and we got beat 3-2 with a last minute goal from Bristol City um, uh, and then on the Saturday we played somebody at home and we had this huge record of never having been beaten for, for a long time and we got beat and, and so those two defeats with, this, with the, the end of the season not so far away, they really put the kibosh on any thoughts of promotion that we had. And, and so, on the Sunday we went in, because we had a game then on the Monday, we used to play three games in four days. Can you imagine the, the modern day footballers facing three games in four days? Dear me, they'd be squealing, wouldn't they? Um, and after training on the Sunday morning, as everybody was going up the tunnel, Alex Stock came out and he, and he walked to the middle of the pitch 
in an empty stadium at Kenilworth Road and signalled for me to join him. So I've gone over there and he's sort of nervously looking about to see that we're not being overheard. And he said, well, old son, promotion's out the window. We're not going to, uh, to be in the big league next season. And so, uh, uh, as happens to our small clubs, that um, if you don't get promotion and, and, and get the money for that, uh, then you have to sell your, your best player. And right now, that's you, old son, so you're on your bike at the end of the season. He says, and I can tell you now that there are three clubs interested in you, Man United, Chelsea and Newcastle United. All you've got to do is just keep sticking them in the old onion bag between now and the end of the season and we'll see what happens. And that was the first I knew of it all. Um, and I scored a hat-trick in my last game. We were playing Cardiff and we, hit, we had to beat them two, by two clear goals to go, um, to go into the Watney Cup at the time. Um, in place of Cardiff themselves. And so uh, we didn't just beat them 2-0, we beat them 3-0, and I scored all three goals. And, um, and after, after the game, Alex Stock came to me and he said, come and see me on Friday, old son, I'll have some news for you. So, so I went into the office early, and he came back from London, and he said, I've just come back from the Great Northern Hotel, I've done the deal with Joe Harvey. Um, and so that was the sort of final confirmation that Newcastle United were they they were moving quicker and, and earlier than anybody else. <coughs> Plus the fact, <coughs> looking at it from my point of view, not only were they in the big league, but they were very recent European winners. They had one one just two years before. <coughs> And so, uh, so I went um, down to the Great Northern Hotel, met up with Joe Harvey, and his first words to me were, what do you think you were doing scoring a hat-trick in your last match? He said, do you know, he said, your manager's been here this morning to finalise the deal, and at Easter we had 155,000 agreed, he said, and... Uh, and your manager's come here today, you haven't scored a hat-trick, and he's put the fee up 10 grand a goal. <laughs> and that's how it finished at 185,000. Um, so the first thing, you know, I, I got telling off from Joe Harvey before I'd even signed for Newcastle United. Uh, um, <clears throat> but when it came to the press conference on the Monday, I was asked what um, what targets I had, if any. And I said, I've always got targets. I said, and in fact, when I first signed for Luton Town, I was given the target by the manager, and that was 30 goals. And then the next season, 30 goals again. And I said, and I don't see any reason why. <coughs> I know it's a higher division, but I don't see any reason why it can't be 30 goals will be my target. Um, <clears throat> I said, I'm not saying that I'll, I'll get there, but that's what I'm aiming for. Um, I think I think I've got 29, something like that. Something like that. And a nice on your debut against Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a bad w. way to start? Not a bad way to start, no. Um, no, particularly we, we'd had a nightmare of a first game down at Crystal Palace, losing 2-0. We, we got a good nil-nil draw at White Hart Lane I have to say um, and, and against Liverpool it was a fantastic game must tell you a little story about this <coughs> that I stuck um, Emily New scored first for Liverpool and then I scored from the penalty spot um, when uh, um, David Young had been taken down by Kevin Keegan. There there's, there's, there's a good quiz question, isn't it? Um, and, and that made it one each. And approaching half-time, Terry Hibbets knocked a lovely little ball down <coughs> the side of me, inside left position, and I've gone round Larry Lloyd and cracked it into the far corner, top corner, past Ray Clements. And that made it 2-1. 
the players have sort of come over and congratulated me <coughs> down at the Gallagate end. And then we've sort of turned and we're sort of heading back towards our own half. There have been massive cheers, obviously, a big roar in the, in, in, in the packed stadium. And then as we were running back, from all around the ground, 360 degrees, everybody started singing the hit song from the, from the hit musical in London, Jesus Christ Superstar, the title song, but they had changed the words. And they were, and they were singing, um, Super Mac, Superstar, how many goals have you scored so far? And I thought, well, who's handing out the song sheets? <laughs> <laughs> because they, everybody was, was there in, in, in unity and unison. Ah, amazing. It was, it was, uh, um, it, it, it was something quite special was that day and that match what was it like playing in front you know of this crowd we know how passionate it is you know you were you were adored you still are and what was it like as a player to was there a moment where you where you thought wow you know this this crowd is something is something special was or was that the moment that you just mentioned there yeah i think in that game not just that moment but but in the whole of the game that that they just you know that it's a crowd that just keeps giving 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 all, all the way through that um, you know and they and they really will put up with some um, with some poor performances you know and they're always they're always prepared to live in hope but when you are actually doing it out on the pitch for them um, they really let you know just how much they love it you know and it and it boosts you Boy, does it boost you. You know, you can feel your chest expanding. You, it's putting a couple of inches on your height and what have you. Um, and, and something really, really special. And it, it, was a, uh, it, was a, it was a great tunnel to come out of. You know, the noise would hit you. Absolutely brilliant. And all these years later, you know, obviously everyone just still talks about that game against Liverpool, the goals that you scored, your goal-scoring record. I mean... Do you ever get taken by surprise at just how well remembered you still are in all these, these decades later? Um, I, I'm I'm hugely appreciative to to all and sundry who who um, who do recall and, and it's amazing that people will come up and they say, "Ah, oh, saw you in a game." So they answer, and and there is there's one particular one that um, that uh, that springs to mind, and it's. Supporters, and you had to be there because there were no television cameras for this particular game, and it was a game against Leicester. And what happened was that uh, Leicester had a corner. I went back on the near post, and um, somebody headed it um, down and out a bit. And Irvin Natris fell to Irvin, and he suddenly was on his way out the box with it, and he was quick, Irvin. Boy, was he a fit lad! And and I just. And I was, uh, I was just heading straight through the middle of the pitch. Um, and Irving was going up inside right. And I was about 10, 12 yards behind him and to his left. And I knew, because Irving was, was a terrific defender, but he wasn't a man who, who, who enjoyed going forward, um, uh, really. And... <sighs> And, and I swear he believed that the opposition half was full of crocodiles because as he crossed the halfway line he got very nervous and started to tippy-toe um, and, and I knew he was, he, he, that he would square the ball and, and he did and as the ball and my run coincided to absolute perfection and I was able just to strike it with my left foot um, at, at, in the flow of my run and it flew absolutely flew and it was it, it was paced out at um, after the game um, at, a, at about 40 yards but it was only five foot high when it hit the net and it was just still going up and it was a bit like an exocet um, uh, and yeah that that was special but you had to be there to see it it is amazing I think I've now met everybody who's at that game <laughs> because a, a, about 48,000 people have, uh, have, have helped me remember that. 
Fantastic. And just a, a couple more questions for you. We let you head off to uh, to the Everton game. When you arrived, I think you were only 21, so you, you were quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever think about the the guys who had gone before you, particularly you know Jackie Milburn, who had set the record, set the bar for any striker who came after him? Did you ever think about that? And I, I spoke to John Gibson before, and he's mentioned you, you, you obviously you uh, had a good relationship with, with Jackie. I mean, what was that like as well? Um, I, after having signed for Newcastle on the on the Friday, which was the day before the cup final, um, it, that wasn't the completion of me joining Newcastle. It, it, it wasn't completed until I had a medical, and the medical in the, in those days had to be held in the medical room here at St James Park. And so, I I came up on the on the Monday morning uh, and had the medical I'd, n- I'd never had an injury I'd never missed a game through injury so I, I flew through the medical did the press conference and then then the press was sort of around uh, um, and they all, they've always got their individual question that they would like an answer to just so that you know as you know with journalists yeah, that you've got something that little bit different to everybody else and I was happy to do it um, but then, all of a sudden, a bit like the Red Sea for Moses, this crowd of journalists just parted, and through them walked Jackie Milburn. Um, uh, and you could see the, 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 the respect and adoration that they all felt for him. And he came, and he was smartly but casually dressed, and he said, and, and he came up and he said, Malcolm... He said, welcome to St. James Park, welcome to Tyneside. He said, you are going to love it here, but even more, the people of Tyneside are going to love you being here. And I, wow, and I, just, I was just warming to this wonderful gentleman. And, and, he said, um, and he said, so welcome. He said, by the way, my name's Jackie Milburn. I said, oh, I know. I said, I, I, I saw you play. I saw him destroy um, Fulham uh, back in, in the 1950s. And by heavens, did he destroy them. It was a most remarkable game. It finished 5-4, Newcastle winning. Um, in the FA Cup, it was. Um, anyway, he said, um, now, he said, very important that you get yourself moved up. He said, you know, you've, you've got the summer. Get yourself moved up so that by the time the season starts, you're... Um, you're, you're, you're comfortable and um, and all settled. I said, yeah, yeah. I was I was going to come up Friday and um, come back up for Friday and, and do some house hunting. He said, good. Meet me here at St James's Park. He said, and I'll show you around. And Jackie drove me in his car on that Friday morning and took me all around, showing me all all the different um, areas. Um, Where's nice to live? Where's not so nice? And and so on and so forth. And and and, and this was my and this was Jackie, who who was the the idol still of of, of all the Newcastle supporters. Um, and and he was just happy just to to poodle me about uh, all around. Um, Tyneside and Northumberland, and and look into and in fact it was it was he that certainly um, helped me find um, the house that I moved into. I stayed, I lived in it for the five years that I was here for the duration, and and and, and absolutely right. And, and and we we had we had a real friendship. And and but he and in all of this, it wasn't just a question of chit of. of, of sort of idle chit chat everything he said was of vital importance I realised that um, he, it might sound like chit chat but it was stuff for me to learn um, and I, and I learnt about the sort of the, the way the people are the way they think what they're looking for um, what they expect um, and Jackie was just helping me along with all of that but Alex Stock at Luton, um, he had a profound effect on, on my career in the way that he wanted me to keep shooting. And, and, and from there, you keep scoring. 
And Jackie, he said pretty much the same thing, but he used he used the the, the, um, the crowd um, more. And he said he said when you when you go out from the tunnel onto the pitch, he said there is an expectancy. There will be an expectancy from tens upon tens of thousands of people. They have worked down the mine without seeing the sunshine for the whole week. They'll come out, they, they have their bath, they'll, um, on the Saturday morning they'll go into town on the bus, they'll have a pint or two, and then they head for St James's Park, and by two o'clock they're all there filling the terraces, he said. And then at five to three, he said, there will be so much expectation around the terraces. And he said, and you will come out. He said, you have an hour and a half to make the hard work and never seeing the sunshine while they've been down in the pits. You, in an hour and a half, can make it all worthwhile for them. Brilliant. Uh, and I thought, wow. You know, that's, it's a responsibility, but it, it was just put over so beautifully by Jackie. Wonderful fantastic, man. Fantastic. And obviously when you left to go to Arsenal, um, did you ever think you'd, once your career had finished, you'd end up back up here and call, call this place home after all, these years, all, all those years? Probably not. No, uh, probably not. But um, uh, um, I came back up for radio in 96, Century FM, and... Uh, um, was uh, uh, and re met up with with, uh, um, with with a lady who um, who I'd known back in the early seventies, and I knew her husband ever so well. But they they were divorced. I was divorced, and she and I just got together. And um, yeah, uh, Carol and I we've we are together and couldn't be happier. Fantastic. And just finally, obviously, we've had many great strikers since Alan Shearer, Mickey Quinn, loads of names, Les Fernand. Which striker since you left Newcastle kind of sticks out in your mind as one, you know, as one of the best? I used to love watching um, the partnership of, of Shearer and Ferdinand. I really did. I, 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 would, I would drool over it. You know, it was, um, and, and Alan Shearer had this uh, in all fairness, he had this ability to, to create a, a, a remarkable partnership with whoever he was playing with. He did it with Sutton at, um, at Blackburn Rovers, and they won, they won the Premiership title um, there. And then he created it with Ferdinand, and, uh, and, and I've seen him do it with others. Uh, and Alan Shearer didn't have the pace that I had, but he had superb skill. His touch was, was, was so delicate, while at the same time he's using 13 stone of sheer muscle and aggression, holding centre halves off and, put, and manoeuvring them about so that he can just get his, uh, um, get, get his shooting space. And, uh, he was an absolute joy to watch, and I and I just remember, um, ironically, um, it was a strike against Everton from um, from an inside left position, about 25 yards, 30 yards out, and he just smacked it right in the top corner, and oh, it was sweet, it really was, um, and and I, I think if there's any if there is any young lad listening to this just go on to YouTube and see as much of Alan Shearer's goals as you can um, and you'll learn <laughs> you can't help but learn fantastic we can only hope that uh, Rafael Benitez gets the funds to maybe sign a quality striker like yourself Alan Shearer mm, yeah in, in, in it would be nice because goals are you know, goals yeah, and it's not just nice but it's necessary mm. it really is necessary because the the football football has evolved uh, um and there is just maybe one thing that I would add, <coughs> and that when I was at secondary school um, in Fulham, there were there were two of us who were the sort of best players um, in the borough, 
two Malcolms, myself and Malcolm Lawford. Malcolm Lawford, he, he was excellent at the game, but he didn't love it like I did. And so he left school and he went off and got a job in the city, made a fortune, thank you very much, and played Sunday morning football in the Sportsman's League. Me, I was just totally targeted on making a career in professional football for myself. Um, <clears throat> I loved the game and my de deep desire was to become a professional. And I got there. The thing is that Malcolm Lawford, he decided to go off elsewhere, got a, got a nicely, nice high, highly paid job in the city. These days, because of the money that there is, the Malcolm Lawfords, who are very good players, but haven't got the desire and the love of the game, they don't go to the city or anywhere else, they go into football. And so what we've got are players who are good at the game, but haven't necessarily got the, 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 the desire that's necessary to really be, uh, uh, to, to make a winning side. Um, and, 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 and we've got a, a lot of foreigners coming up who, who are a bit like that. What, what I th managers need to, to look very carefully at just what the makeup of an individual is. Does he really want to go and do it and be a winner? Uh, is that in him? And I'm looking at Newcastle and I can see certain players who they love the money but they're not really giving their all out on the pitch. You know, I'm not saying they're skivers or anything like that, but you know that there's just that little bit more that they could put into it. That little bit more. And uh, um, it, it, it would be nice just to see them give that. And uh, who knows, they might even get in, into the box a couple of times and score a goal or two. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, very much, Sumac, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out.